If you want Colts talk all year long, you're in the right place. Fires upfield into the end zone. It is caught. Jelani Woods. Touchdown. He's going to fire upfield. It's broken up. Tipped and up. intercepted by the Colts. This is the official Colts podcast, giving you an updated look at what's new with the horseshoes. Colts have it. Interception. Two seconds left. And the Colts are going to win. In the Indiana Union Construction Industry Radio Studio, let's get the podcast started. Welcome in to the official Colts podcast presented by Win Las Vegas. I'm Jeffrey Gorman. Latte Lara Overton here. J.J. Stankovic here. Fully, ca- are, fully caffeinated here. Yes, and these are fun times. We were talking about it before we started rolling. We love – it's been a while for win streaks around here. It's been a while. Plus, we got the home victories. Mm-hmm. Love to hear it. Loved, loved hearing you after the game as we were talking about when you talk about one of, with one of the top players on the team that had a great day after a victory. I love hearing your interviews. You can find it on the Colts Audio Network. But it's all always better when you win around here and I'll shut up after this <laughs> on top of that one of my favorite moments is and we spoke on it a little bit last week seeing Shaquille Leonard up in yeah. up in the suite and blowing kisses and loving the fans who are loving him on top of a great victory that was a special moment what a classy move all around Shaq wanted to be there for his teammates his teammates wanted him there wanted to have that opportunity to celebrate him by playing the tribute video in stadium and for all the fans mm-hmm. to be able to celebrate him and what he has meant to this organization so good to see him there with the family happy smiling so appreciative um, of all of the support and all of those well wishes. It was a really good moment. And then also, you have to feel like that manifested the big takeaway from the defense as well, because it was maybe, you know, two or three plays later that Ronnie Harrison Jr. comes up with the interception. The guy so who felt like a very fitting moment to have Shaq Leonard there. The guy who was playing Will Linebacker, yeah. who made the move to Will Linebacker and got signed to the 53-man roster to replace Shaquille Leonard on the 53-man roster. Great story. And also, by the way, um, rarely rarely do splits like this happen as i don't want to even say amicably but mm-hmm. with like every like almost like a no hard feelings type thing uh between the colts and shaquille leonard and that moment on sunday i think really cemented it Shaq will always be welcome back here in indianapolis For he's sure. got a legacy here that is you know, go, goes beyond football we may be rooting him on in the playoffs as well as our Colts sure. I mean, well, if other, he, if other side on, if yeah. you if you look at some of the reports that yeah. he might be uh, in, in Dallas today and maybe he's going to Philadelphia yeah. Yeah, good for him. Good man. Yeah. Great moment. Great win. Obviously, a seven-point win beating Baker Mayfield. We're on to this thing now that everybody's talking about, and it's the playoff picture. Where we're at right now with six games left. What's it going to take to find our way in? I've heard many people say, if this team gets to double-digit wins, you're a lock to make the playoffs. Yeah. I don't know if I believe that or not, because I've seen some crazy things in the last couple of years, JJ. It's not a lock, but... Basically, if you get 10 wins and you miss the playoffs, you're just you're really unlucky, mm-hmm. like historically unlucky. It, you could still make it at nine and eight, but there are a lot of teams that are in the mix. You look at Denver, Houston, Buffalo, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, all those teams kind of right now, six or seven wins right in that mix. Getting in with nine would take a lot of weird stuff happening. How many you got to win? We got six left, Larry. I know you want six, but... Oh. We're going to have to get to the double digits or oh, can, yeah. can a nine squeak in? No, I, I, th- I think that with the way the schedule is lining up and the opponents that you have in so many winnable games, I think it's very feasible that you, know, you can win 11 games. With the- <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. Well, I, I think the, the path here, minimum 10. Yeah. But you got to beat Pittsburgh and Houston. Correct. Two of those, if you go four and two or the next six games – 
two of those have got to be over Pittsburgh and Houston because they are your direct competition for playoff spots. If you're going to, like I, I was, I spent so much time on the ESPN playoff simulator and like the New York Times upshot playoff simulator yesterday, just messing around with it. If you're going to lose a game, if the Colts are going to lose a game in this stretch, it's Christmas Eve at Atlanta because that has no impact on your tiebreakers. Conference record becomes the next tiebreaker after head-to-head. The Colts right now are 4-3 and three in the AFC, so they have the conference tiebreaker over Denver, which I believe is 3-4, and four, and they have the head-to-head tiebreaker over Houston. So you're going to need. So you're saying if you're going to mail one in and, and and have a loss, make it on Christmas Eve against yeah. Atlanta. And I'm not that saying you should. It really do that. doesn't bloody your franchise, right. if You will. You can still like if you're going to lose one, it's probably that one. Uh, you would much rather lose that one than Pittsburgh or Houston, right? But yeah, obviously you'd want to win them all mm-hmm. and guarantee yourself in the playoffs. But if you're going to go four and two, just looking at it, that's probably you could probably afford to lose to Atlanta and then I guess you know one of. Tennessee, Cincy, Vegas. All right, all right. Well, let's talk about that six-game stretch a little bit. Gardner Minshew, once again, three and zero. Lara, we know how hard it is to win one game in the NFL on any given Sunday, and not to be you know movie buff on that right. stuff. But it's so hard, and to put up three, and coming from a quarterback that is, excuse me, a backup quarterback after Richardson going down, the defense stepping up right. Just do you like the path of this team right now? Especially, you're gonna you're gonna need a running game, and you are gonna have to have good quarterback play from here on. I like it right now because of the innovation we're seeing within the offense Oof. from Shane Steichen. I mean, the fourth down call alone, bringing in Zaire Franklin as the fullback in that situation. I just think What did you think? What did you think? Really? What did you think? Did you think he was getting a football? No, I thought that he was going to block for Jonathan. Yes, like I thought same. it was going to be a, a JT run, but you put big 44 up there because who's getting through that guy, right? Um, I, I know <laughs> Zaire joked too. He said, all right, next time I need a pass. Right, He's like, right. he, told, he told Shane mm-hmm. that. Like, I mean, obviously that's a guy who's willing to do what Ever is called upon him when you you know have him on the field but he he did have some fun with it um yeah I did I thought it was going to be a Jonathan Taylor run right there and, and clearly Tampa thought so as well because Mo was running free out there well, my favorite part of that play was Mo to set like every single part of that play sold it and yes. Mo to sell it even more if you look at it at that half a beat yeah. the, no the half a beat when he he gets his release that half a beat where he goes kind of one step toward Devin White just so Devin White out of his peripheral alright I got this guy coming to block me this is definitely a run yeah. and the only guy who sees it is Servassier Dennis the linebacker on the right side and by the way I, I would like to apologize to Servassier Dennis go ahead yeah I mispronounced his name for like half the game what'd you call him Servassier Daniels I got his first name right, yeah. which takes a lot of phonetic pronunciation. But when I wrote his name down on my sheet for the PA, I wrote it as Daniels, not Dennis. So I'm sorry, Servasi. And that's JJ Stankovic. For you that don't know, and I'm sure there's not many of you, he is the voice of God at Lucas Oil Stadium. You are calling the game, which this comes up. Everybody is held accountable. We're going to go back and listen to your call on that. Yeah. And if there is some uh, wrong name calling, you could get fined. Yeah, well, I'll take the fine. You will. All right. Uh, it was, it was a, that was a mistake on my part. I thought you were going to say it was Curvassier. No. See, that, but that's like the stupid thing is I got, I got <laughs> yeah, the, the got phonetic the one, right. a more difficult one right, and right. then I screwed up his last name. Like, what the, it, was, it was stupid. Come on. Back to the point Anyways, at hand. Yes. Yeah, back to the point at hand, though. I, I think that, and this is something I talked with Shane about, is you know not only the dynamic in the run game that you have with the balance between Taylor and Moss and the different things that you can do, but also just the ability for Gardner to trust 
different receivers in those various situations to be creative with your play calling. I think that that is part of the benefit of the bye week coming when it did is having the opportunity to do that self-scout to further examine all right, there's, these are situations that we can capitalize on. We can roll the dice a little bit. We've found enough offensive continuity that we're doing the basics well that we can start to create more and more wrinkles. I mean, there was something that I thought this was interesting. Shane was asked about yesterday in media availability that pass breakup, if you will, that Alec Pierce had Mm -hmm. that avoided an interception. That was a situation that Jim Bob had brought in and showed guys in Friday, showed them in the Friday meetings, hey, if this situation comes up, basically looked at some other games across the league, thought this was good situational, circumstantial stuff. So he played it as an example and ends up coming to fruition that you needed that play on Sunday. And I don't know if maybe that was a play that you would have made three, four weeks ago, right? It's just starting to see offensively everyone flourish within this system. Hey, how about this, guys? And I want both opinions on this. He is a fourth down riverboat gambler. And when I say he, I mean Shane Steichen like this. Like, he's not alone across the league like this. Like, this is a this yeah. is a yep. new, this isn't a new wrinkle. Like, this is, oh, okay, well, it's fourth down at the midfield and it's four yards to go. Well, this is a go-forward situation. That's becoming commonplace. It is. And it, it's because you look at those situations and the like Shane talks about it's all on feel like Shane is not a heavy the analytics say to do this so I'll do that he's okay maybe the analytics say this but you know what we practice these plays this week we put them in we feel good about them let's go run them and I think that's something that kind of gets lost in the fourth down discourse that is so honestly exhausting that we've gone through over the last couple of years of like kind of the older guard saying, you you know, take the points, punt, whatever. And the newer, younger coaches like Shane coming in and saying, why don't we just go for it? Mm. It's three, four yards, one yard. And to feel like you can call those plays, you have to be confident that you can execute them. You, You get them in practice or you draw them up and players are excited about running them. Like the Colts didn't even run that that pass to Mo. That, that's in a- practice, they just did it in walkthrough, but they thought, if we, hey, if we get this look, we can run it, and they got the look, they ran it, and it gained 30 say, yards. Say you can never run that play again this year, right, Lara? Well, I don't know about that. You can run a variation I, off it. Yeah, yeah, very I'm saying that I mean, particular also, play. Hold on. It's, Credit to Tom Manning, tight ends coach. Yes. That was his addition. Shane told me it was like something that was kind of buried at the bottom of the call sheet really? that Tom Manning implemented last week. Yes. All these ideas come from everywhere. There they are. A fourth down call. I love it. I'm just saying. Tom Manning. You're talking about. By the way, Tom Tom Manning, uh, former offensive coordinator Mm -hmm. at Iowa State with one Brock Purdy. Fun fact. Nice. Okay. That was his quarterback there. Guy's good. Hey, he develops quarterbacks. That's it right there. If he coached them, he developed them. Good right there. We had a fun conversation uh, with Tom right when he was hired. And I said, if you call to make a dinner reservation and you're like, yes, I'd like a table for Manning party of four. Like, do they laugh at you? You know what I mean? If like you're the last name Manning around Indianapolis, like how does that work? Like, do people think you're, this is a prank call? Like, do they think you're the, another Manning? Like, I would totally. I mean, if that right, were, would you not oh, use that in uh, every? Do you think Peyton Manning uses his actual name to make dinner reservations? I don't know, Jeffrey, you would know. Uh, I don't think so. No, I yeah. don't think he makes a reservation. <laughs> yeah, right. right? Uh, that's I a good point. Like, I think at that point they just kind of call the manager on the cell phone <laughs> uh-huh. and say, "Hey, it's about six forty-five. I'll be in there." And yeah, exactly. scurries to the table. Yeah. So. He probably has like his regular places that just like stay open. Like they just keep the yeah. Peyton table. 
I went to uh, the only time I've ever seen that. I was at a really nice Thai restaurant in Atlanta. VJ Singh had a table all for himself whenever he wanted it. Really? And he had like a picture up. It was like VJ Singh's table. Is this where we're going on good the twenty third? Uh, I want to go back there. It's it's a it's it's pretty pricey. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, if it's good enough for VJ Singh, yeah. No, you know. Hey, listen, don't worry about the cost. I got you covered. You take us to a good Thai place in okay. Atlanta. All Are right. you going? I'll be in Atlanta. I'm in. I'm in. So, hey. All right. Let's do it. Thai place. We're going to talk about that. Harry and Izzy's. I'm sorry to go here. He still owns that, right, Peyton? He is part of Hughes Culinary, I believe. So, it's Hughes Culinary that's the that ownership has a couple group. Of, oh, yeah, he has the HC Tavern, no St. Elmo's, uh, Harry and Izzy's, a lot of different entities. But I do believe that he continues to be. Colts are on a three-game win streak, and we're talking culinary kitchens right <laughs> here. VJ Singh getting a mention on the podcast before you don't know, he is Michael on, Pittman Jr. He's on the you senior. You know what that means? We're having <laughs> fun That's is it. what that means yes. right now. Okay, hold on. JJ, start with me on this. If you look at it, take a step back and you look at it, hey, you're all pro running back, not there for four weeks, you know, losing Shaquille Leonard, talking about some young talent that's out. Uh, the way that Shane You Steichen, don't have Grover Stewart. No yep. Grover games. Stewart. The biggest one of the biggest, the biggest things that I'm one. saying. Like, and by young talent being out, you mean the starting quarterback. Right, and, and starting quarterback and then defensive backfield with some injuries and currently Juju Brents and everything. Shane Steichen. Shane Steichen, to put up the numbers that he has and stuff like that, there was something up there it was like Kansas City and Miami and then the Colts like as far as overall in offensive output mm-hmm. well, and then you put those rosters up against one another more, 20 points or more right. in 10 games for 10 season. games that's like nobody's done that and stuff like this is it realistic to have a coach of the year if this cat and I'm talking about Shane Steichen finishes double digit wins 10 on your side like you said Larry even said more than that hey if they keep rolling 11 that this is a, sh- a coach of the year candidate we better be talking about it because right? so I, I went and I looked in the favorites right now, the top six. D'Amico Ryans has to be in there. D'Amico yeah, Ryans is second. Dan Campbell is first, as you would expect. Uh, Ooh, Mike, bad, bad loss, though, Dan Campbell. Bad yeah, whole yeah, loss I mean, to the Packers. But I'm yeah. sorry. Anyway, uh, Mike McDaniel mm-hmm. up there. Uh, Kevin O'Connell. Nick Sirianni oh, and Mike Tomlin. Night. Sirianni, I mean, gosh. Kevin so, O'Connell, maybe not so much after Monday Night Football. Right. The, it's, it's, the co- took a, it's like a big hit right, <laughs> right Coach there. of the Year so often is a narrative award of, like, who exceeded expectations the most. Not always, like, like if, you, if you're given Coach of the Year from, like, 2004 through 2000. 20, it'd be Bill Belichick, Belichick like right. 15 times. Sure, sure, but um, that's not the case. I get it. It's a narrative award, and but if the Colts make the playoffs – when baseline, if you just said at the start of the season, the Colts are a playoff team, you'd be like, eh, I don't know about that. Then you look at everything that, that the Colts have gone through this season. I would agree. And for them to still make the playoffs with Gardner Minshew, the backup quarterback in there, you've got a, a team captain being waived before Thanksgiving. You've got the one of the heart and soul guys of your defense getting suspended for six games. I cannot emphasize this enough. The starting quarterback got hurt yeah, again. Right, right, right. Um, Jonathan Taylor missed the first four games. You got, you know, injuries in the defensive backfield. Like, this team has been through some stuff this year. Mm-hmm. And Shane Steichen, it's like what Chris Ballard talked about, Lara, when he was on the podcast with us. He's just been like, well, who's up? Who do we got? Let's go win with them. Right. There's yeah. no flinching in this guy. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we talk about this offense a lot, and I'm, I'm guilty of it, too. We all Shane Steichen. And Shane Steichen, and he talked about it on the pregame show on CBS or ESPN, Shane Steichen. I want you to give me something on Jim Bob Cooter because – I understand the position that he's in as an offensive coordinator. I've seen it before where the head coach still calls plays. But his importance, both you guys, to this offense and what Jim Bob Cooter's doing, like you said, 20 points a game for 10 in a row. It's got to come from somewhere, and he's the OC. Oh, it's significant because you also have to think, too – 
Shane, as a first-year head coach, has a lot of different things that he's navigating in overseeing the entirety of everything he hasn't necessarily been tasked with before. So you have to have that strong rapport and trust in your offensive coordinator because you have to relinquish a lot of things. I mean, certainly, Shane is capable of managing everything, but when you have to, I mean, there are so many things that go along with head coaching responsibilities that no one sees outside of the building. So you have to be able to rely upon your offensive coordinator in terms of you know game planning and situational and film that you're reviewing in meetings, conducting the meetings, you know, on field practices, all of those different things. And he talked about it on Monday. Uh, JJ it was your question, and he really pulled back some layers as to all of the contributions and impact that Jim Bob has to the point that he said he's going to get a head coaching look very soon. I mean, Jim Bob Cooter, let's let's not forget a couple of years ago, he was a rising mm-hmm. offensive mind guy in his mid thirties, kind of along that wave of, you know, the, those offensive coordinators. And then things kind of fell apart in Detroit, you know, with the, you know, Jim Caldwell was fired. Matt Patricia was brought on. Jim Bob was retained. The Matt Patricia era did not go well in Detroit. Um, and, and, and Jim Bob's kind of had to no rebuild. No fault of Jim Bob's. Uh, no. Right. Uh, Jim Bob's kind of had to rebuild his career a little bit. And he did. You know? And he did. And, and he, you know, he's what? The, a consultant with Philly in right. 2021, the passing game coordinator in Jacksonville last year. Now the OC of an offense that has dealt with a lot of stuff this year and is putting up 20 plus points a game. And like you said, Jeffrey, they're right there with some of the best offenses in the AFC. But when you look at the roster, you're like, they don't have, they don't yeah, have they don't Mahomes. Have, yeah. They don't have Tyreek Hill. Right. You know, they don't have Lamar Jackson. You don't have, yeah. You got, you got good players, mm-hmm. certainly, but you don't have the like stars upon stars of the league, and they're still scoring a lot of points. This yeah. is why I think that Coach of the Year conversation, you do have, you mentioned, you know, it's very narrative that you look to, to me, Coach of the Year goes to who developed what you have on your roster. That's, Coaching. When you look at a team like Miami or Kansas City that has just loaded up paying players, rightfully so, who have earned it, Philadelphia in there as well, teams that were in contention a year ago, the mark of a good coach is to not necessarily have top paid players, but you get the most out of the guys that you have on your on your squad. And I think one testament to that, you guys have pointed to a lot of different things, quarterback, running back, defensive line, secondary. Also, look at what you've done with your offensive line when you've missed Ryan Kelly, mm-hmm. Bernard Ryman, Braden Smith, all for various points in time. You had Blake Freeland starting multiple games at two on different positions. At, yes, exactly, left and right. And you've had Wesley French stepping in, what now, for four games this And against, season? by the way, like... <laughs> It's not just the Wesley French stuff against Vita Vea, one of the most blitz-heavy defenses in the NFL in the the Buccaneers. Also, week three, one of the most blitz-heavy defenses in the NFL in the Baltimore Ravens. And I talked to Quentin Nelson about this after the game. Like, that's a lot for a center to to go on. And he said something that Wesley does a really good job of is he he's he's all about ball. And he puts in the work during the, you know, during the week studying things, but then he's asking questions. Okay, if they do this, what happens? If they do that, what happens? And he's getting the calls right. And you're seeing, you know, against the, the Buccaneers, the Colts p- picked up those blitzes that Tampa sent. And 
they were successful on those plays. Gardner Minshew was 8 of 14 against the Blitz, didn't take a single sack. A lot of game balls. I, I mean, I, we sometimes throw out some game balls here sometimes. I mean, Pitt's doing Pitt stuff. I mean, oh, double-digit catches, yeah. double-digit yards, Pitt's doing Pitt stuff. Downs, we understand, you know, he's coming off the knee thing, stuff like that. But I'm talking about playmakers, and you guys both will, I know both of you will just overflow with praise. for. We don't talk about him enough. Samson Abukam. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and, and Lara, tell me, like, obviously late in the game in his heroic end, but that's a consistent cat that's doing some stuff, and the Colts got him for, you know, in the offseason, not for a great, big, huge free agent signing, but an important one. It was, it's was. it been huge for what they have been able to do, and then also to have rotation with the guys who you're bringing in up front, and I think that it's a huge indication of his presence when not only is it the plays that he's making, but that's also creating opportunities for guys like Quiddy and Dio to step in and be more significant contributors than they have in the past as well. Also, Nate... Ollie, Nate Ollie. Round of applause for Nate Ollie. What he has done with that group, especially when there has been very little drop off. I mean, very little drop off after, you know, Grover Stewart. Um, I mean, you have seen teams play run heavy and really test that defensive front because of that loss. But when you have the guys who have stepped in, Eric Johnson, Taven Bryan, Tyquan Lewis, you know, all those different guys who have stepped in, um, in the middle of that defensive line. Like it's been huge and it's a huge credit to Nate, but yeah, Samson is, he, I mean, that is certainly, I think one of, when you look at most significant offense or not offense, most significant off season signings. And you think about Matt Gay, huge, right? And what he's been able to do. And the doink. Samson, oh, the doink. And Samson as 59 well. Yards. I had 59 yards yeah. on the doink. I'm sorry to interrupt, but, but I wanted to... And you're right. Matt Gay, yes, we need him. Go. But yeah, Samson, <laughs> Samson as well. I mean, he's been incredible. Do you know where the Colts rank in sacks this season, either of you? I do not. Sixth. Sixth, yeah. correct. 36 sacks. That's pretty good. They're, they're, on, well. they're on pace right now to have over 50 sacks this season. And you also want to know where the Colts rank in strip sacks. Ooh, that's a, the one I Ooh, don't know. Fourth. Uh, fourth, I don't know. Top, top, in front of six, I'm going to say. In front of six. First. Wow. Most strip sacks in the NFL, most takeaways off strip sacks in the NFL. Oh, okay. Five. Speak, speaking of two, uh, strip sacks, how about Dwight Freeney and Robert Mathis, semifinalists for the Pro Football Hall? Yes. Right. That was announced on Tuesday along yes. with Reggie Wayne. Yeah, along with Reggie Wayne. Like, okay. Let's go. The, can, can I, can I have a quick rant here? Yeah, please. Quick, quick aside. What are we waiting for? We know Dwight Freeney's a Hall of Famer. We know Reggie Wayne's a Hall of Famer. Maybe you can debate Robert Mathis. I think he's a Hall of Famer. Wait a minute, he's, got what more, we, he's got more sex than Freeney. What, so. what are we waiting for? What, have what are we in. waiting for in getting these guys into the Hall of Fame? Bring the Heat Boulevard. This Let's go. Hall of Fame process of we're going to have five guys come in every year and you got to wait your turn and we have a log jam of wide receivers. Who cares? Just put them in. Lara, what are we doing? I got to share a story with you from our guy. I... Did not see Tom Moore before the game, the former Colts yeah. assistant coach. I said, I know Legendary. Tom. I said, I know Tom and I know what he does. And he goes into halftime and he comes out about, he comes out before the kickers do. And after the, uh, the halftime started the third quarter. So he comes out early. So I did my halftime stuff at the stadium and I went behind the bench and I saw him walking over there and I give him that. And he's like, I felt horrible. I felt horrible. And I'm sharing this with you. He goes, Hey brother, good to see you. He goes, I never heard from you. And I said, what are you talking about? He said, 
I got inducted into the Canton Football Hall of Fame with the Award of Excellence back in uh, w- with Dante Scarnecchi. I did had it as well, and one other guy. And he goes, "You never congratulated me on it." And I felt horrible in the middle of a game with this offensive genius coming over to me. It was the first thing out of his mouth, and I'm like, "Oh, Tom, I'm so sorry." And I told him flat out, I had no idea. I had no idea that the Award of Excellence, uh, which is not wearing a gold jacket, but you are in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying for these extra contributors to the game. Anyway, just I was like, oh my guy! I wanted to give him a big hug and tell him I'm sorry. You s- send Tommy something. We down are. There I, to I've Tampa. already talked. To our, I okay. already. I did. Right. I, I I wrote a note to okay. the front office, front office, and said, hey, we need to do something special for Tom Moore. So yeah. tip of the hat. Another game ball. We'll always give Coach game balls because he's every offense in the league right now is running a variation of a Tom Moore offense. So anyway, I wanted to just have a I minute to say that. So by the way, the uh, you know that Tom Moore quote. Of like, you know, if 18 goes down, we're effed yeah. and we don't we practice effed. Right. We don't practice How many effed. teams have dealt with that this year around the NFL? Absolutely. The Colts also and are right here in the playoff conversation. There we go. And one last thing. Not effed. One last thing. Adam Schefter, who we all uh, read, had a very interesting look into his, you know, his, what do they call that thing? You know, uh, crystal ball, crystal ball by saying he's expecting seven or more head coaching saw change, that. changes in the NFL this year. Obviously we saw one earlier in We've the year. Two. Um, yeah. yeah, you're right. Frank Reich and, um, mm-hmm. Josh McDaniels, Josh McDaniels was gone in Vegas. So he's saying seven to 10. I'm like, my gosh, who are like, what? I mean, 10 is a third of the league. That's, that's exactly, that. Yeah. Exactly. Hey, good year. Good year to feel pretty good about your head coach. That's right. And yeah, like Shane, we got here. And Shane and, and Jim Bob and the rest of the staff that we do. Hey, I got a couple announcements here real quick. Coming up this week on the Colts Audio Network, Inside Football with Vent- Rick Venturi is going to be out on Wednesday. Blueprints, as always, to beat the Titans. You're going to hear that in week 13. Another episode of the official Colts podcast going to drop Thursday on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube with Matt Taylor, Casey Vallier, Bill Brooks, and a 2B, TBD Colts player joining the pod to preview Colts Titans. Instant reaction with JJ and Bill Brooks. Out Sunday night, that's a good one. Be sure to catch breaking down the Colts week 13 trip to Nashville to face the Titans as always keep it locked in on the Colts audio network Colts.com and Colts mobile app for all your breaking news analysts read him watch and listen to her they're the best in the business we'll get you behind it's a six week tournament the way that I'm looking at this right now we came up with four out of six potentially five out of six from here on out I love the way that this place is rolling right now the fan base getting a huge home win for the first time in a long time how important that is so guys final thoughts right here before before we start this journey of six weeks, that could really be a special, special time for a no. team that nobody had any interest in at the start of the year. I, I just want to kind of close on this. that the, the fact that the Colts are even playing meaningful games in December right now is impressive. When you zoom out on this season, that the Colts are, are entering December as the seventh seed and are going to play big games against Pittsburgh, against Cincy, uh, you know, maybe to end the season Houston. against Houston. This is this season is a really great foundation for what Shane Steichen can do here. Make the playoffs, don't make the playoffs. I'm feeling great about 2024. Get Anthony Richardson back. Sure. Get some more pieces in here. Keep some of the guys you have here. Um, you, I, I feel like you've got the head coach. You've got the quarterback. Got to stay healthy, obviously. But you got you got the two most important spots. And you got some dudes on this team who the head coach is getting the most out of. Got guys playing at the, the, their highest level. That foundation could get you to the playoffs. Next year, 
I can't wait to see where it goes. Above and beyond. And, and, and Lara, it's like I just, next man up. We talked about that earlier in the show and stuff like that. It's going to take 53 men to make this thing run. If somebody goes down, somebody has to step up for this six-week run. No question. And what I like is that, like, I was talking to Shane about these three wins in, in this win streak, you know, the stack of wins that you have had, back-to-back games on the road, a game at home. Now you're going back on the road for two games. But in those wins, they've all been different types of wins. You've had to win in different ways. I was like, what's been the common thread? And he was like, it's taking care of the football, winning turnover battles, like what it is. And what I like is that this team has found ways to win that have not been sexy or flashy or all that exciting. They've figured out these like kind of dog fight, ugly win type of games. But then you have also had games when your offense has been really exciting and really fun to watch, like what we saw last week at Lucas Oil Stadium. And so I think that that's something for me. I'm not even thinking about, okay, oh yeah, like we're building a great foundation. Like right now, this is a fun team to watch because of what they are able to to do with a lot of different combinations of guys who have stepped up in significant opportunities to find ways to win. It is the fact that this team just over the course of the season already has found ways to win when quite frankly in certain situations maybe they shouldn't have Mm -hmm. yet they've gotten the job done because it's always been close matchups aside from that game down in Jacksonville it has been really close games and what DeVorest Buckner said coming out of the bye week is these home games we just had to find ways to close them out and when you were coming looking at the losing streaks that you've had at home or the, the losses that you've had at home They've all been in a fashion in which you haven't played the final 15 minutes in the fashion that you've wanted. They figured it out on Sunday. And to me, that's something that should be a very scary um, factor for the teams that they're facing in this December run. Buckle up. It's going to be a fun run. At Lara Overton on Twitter X, at JJ Stankovitz, and find them on Colts.com. You want the latest and greatest on your team? Go to Colts.com and follow these two. They're the best in the business. Great job, by the way, uh, up in the big booth uh, at the live yeah, game. Except I for you screwing up that guy's energy. name. I, I picked up a little bit extra energy out of you on some stuff like this. You're getting into playoff mode right yeah. now. You should be getting into playoff mode. I know you're always in playoff <laughs> mode. So listen, let's have a fun next six weeks. We'll come back next week and do the same thing. We'll discuss it. We'll dissect it and find out ways to keep winning. The playoffs are right around the corner. Fingers crossed. Have a great week. We'll talk to you in a bit.